Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Do you guys want to hang on while I do my taxes? Uh, Not particularly. Oh, all right. Instead, we could probably talk about some movies. I guess. If you guys want. I got my taxes back pretty fast this year. Pretty sweet. (laughs) <laughs> no, I was like, nope. <laughs> We're staying on the taxes. <laughs> taxes the thing that everybody hates, like across the board. I've been putting mine off because with my computer being destroyed last year, I'm going to have to actually enter in all of my personal information this year. I can't just like pull it forward and Gross. pop in the numbers. So you don't do them online? Um, I never have. I guess I could just do it that way if I since I'm one of the reasons I've never done it online is because I've had the same software for like ten years and I never had to type in all that information again. <laughs> so we can do it now where it's like all all of your slips and stuff, whatever is given to the government, you can have that populate automatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be trusting the government to do things correctly. I don't know if I should do that. Yeah, might not be a good idea. Of course you get the slips from the government, so I don't understand why it doesn't just populate automatically anyway. Well, I guess you get the slips from your employer and then they get sent to the government, but whatever. I also have one for my bank to show that I made like $38 in interest last year. And I'm like, I can't believe they sent a slip for that. <laughs> yeah, it slips for all kinds of shit that I never turn in. So I'm going to be audited someday. Oh, well. um, hey, let's talk about some uh, Jack the Ripper movies. <laughs> all right. Uh, speaking of the government holding a knife to your throat. Right? No. That's, 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 not, that's, that's not a very good one. No. <laughs> it's the best I could do it's going dis- from taxes to Jack the Ripper. It's, it's disappointing, Brian. You're really you're really in charge of our uh segue. So I'm gonna need you to bump your game up. Uh, we'll try again next week. Hey Doug, why don't you talk about time after time? Okay. Um Time After Time is set in a neat universe where H.G. Wells uh, actually invented a time machine but was not writing science fiction novels. Um, And then Jack the Ripper steals the time machine. So H.G. Wells chases him to 1979 San Francisco uh, where we follow most of the movie is H.G. Wells just having a fish out of water movie where he's just trying to understand modern society and he meets uh, a bank lady played by Mary Steenburgen who is uh, immediately t- taken by him so they have a cute little romance 
And meanwhile, in the background, Jack the Ripper is running around San Francisco cutting people up and just loving modern society because of how much more violent it has become. Um, uh, you like 1979, Jack. Let me tell you about 2022. I, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, if, if they remade this movie right now, like the movie would be 10 minutes long because H.G. Wells would arrive in this time, turn on a TV for three seconds and then immediately blow his fucking brains out. <laughs> oh, see, I was going to go with Jack the Ripper would see how everything is and be like, oh, no, what the fuck is wrong with people? And then go back to his own time. <laughs> oh, oh, no, I'm in danger. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we end up with H.G. Uh, Wells chasing Jack the Ripper around San Francisco, trying to get, convince the police to help and all that typical time travel movie stuff. And uh, eventually he destroys him with a very convenient plot device that they set up earlier in the movie. <laughs> Um, Chekhov's disappearing through this, through time, if you will. Um, and then he, of course, has to take the the, the woman back with him because it's that kind of movie where he's obviously going to end up with the girl. So she goes back to old England with him and he becomes a sci-fi writer and predicts much of the future because of his advanced knowledge. So. So you think that the the time machine thing at the end is a fucking Chekhov's gun? No, no, no. The scene where they get in the car and she starts driving and it shows him watch every hand motion and foot motion <laughs> and stuff she does. Like so in let, detail. Like Chekhov was important I, to this movie. <laughs> I looked I looked at my wife and I was like, that was Chekhov's driving lesson. I was like, because he's going to have to drive a car later in this movie. You know that's going to happen, yes. right? Yeah. Well, it's because not only that, but he also, he's like constantly referring to them as motor cars. And he's like shocked to find it that bridges, oh, motor cars drive across bridges. Like they keep bringing up that he doesn't know what cars are. It's like, we're just setting this up. Like the foreshadowing is like on point. They're just like, look at, he's going to have to. You think he's going to learn? I think he's going to learn. <laughs> I think I think the first thing that needs to be said is every time I watch one of these older Malcolm McDowell movies, it just it, it almost like fucks your head up again because you're like, oh, yeah, Malcolm McDowell's this really good actor <laughs> who yeah. could have had this giant illustrious career. And instead, he made a bunch of money early and then he was like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> It is it is awkward watching him act as well as he does in this movie and then knowing like what happens when he's in movies today. And you're just like, OK, I I guess, you know, and he's got that big mustache in this one and he's like speaking very properly. And it's like, oh, he's not. Yeah, I don't even think he's reading these lines off a of cue card the way he does clearly in modern movies. He has said in an interview that he currently picks movies based on if it's a town he wants to travel to that it's being filmed in. Yeah. And look, so. I don't begrudge him that necessarily. I just it's it's kind of fascinating to see this older work and see what he could do. And keeping in mind, like, too, his most famous roles are not these lighthearted, you know, I'm going to play the fish out of water type movies. Mm -hmm. So he's doing this like when this is not what he's known for. Yeah. Which and, he specifically picked this movie because of that reason, because he was tired of all of, like the, the raping and the, the violence. And, like, yeah, like, he did Caligula right before this. And he's like, I need to do something cheery and happy. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So let's do a movie with Jack the Ripper in it. 
Well, plus, well, yeah, but it's a with, pretty lighthearted Jack the Ripper. Tale. Oh, for sure, for sure. With the uh, the whole the shenanigans around Caligula, I I'm surprised anybody that was in that movie didn't <laughs> just throw their hands up and quit. Well, yeah, I'm glad Malcolm McDowell didn't because I really like watching him in this movie. <laughs> what I did really you guys think of this weird Jack the Ripper meets H.G. Wells time travel movie. I enjoyed the movie. Some of the fish out of the water stuff bugged me, and I don't know why. It's just like the first well, time it, he he goes to get into a car and he doesn't know how to open the door. And I'm like, come on, the time machine has a door on it. He was able to get that door open. He knows how doors work. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun to watch. It didn't always like make complete sense. I liked watching him go to McDonald's and stand like directly. <laughs> like behind that person and the person orders like a meal and he orders the same meal, but he orders tea instead of a Coke. <laughs> I like that. He called it the Scottish. I like that. He called it a Scottish restaurant later. <sighs> yeah. Like I, I, I don't know. I just, I enjoyed watching that stuff. Like, I think it's a lot of it is just the performances from him and uh, Mary Steenburgen who are just like, you're you're just watching them go go through this like they're hitting all of the beats of like they have to have the scene where she figures out that he's a time traveler and freaks out and then he has to have the scene where he goes to the police and tries to convince them of the truth and like it's every like standard beat from every time travel movie in history but it's just fun to watch the way they pull it off in this particular one with him in that like old london suit just walking around modern san francisco you, did, you know what the funny thing is is so there's this combination of it being this lighthearted movie and also being a 1970s science fiction movie, which, <laughs> you know, could mean something dark and awful can happen at any moment yeah, in the scene yes. where he thinks that the girlfriend's been murdered. I actually realized, like, I was like, you know what? I don't know if she's actually fucking dead or not. <laughs> like, I, I honestly like, like this you is got a me. second time you got I've seen me, movie. this. She like, may be dead. Yeah. Because it was the 70s, I thought she was dead. And I'm like, when she's not, I'm like, oh, that's a rather pleasant surprise. The only one that dies in the climax is the bad guy. <laughs> I was sitting there going, I don't like, what the fuck? Is that really how they're going to end this movie? <laughs> so, yeah, they got all three of us. Yeah. But I mean, that's a sign of a good movie, too, though, when they can pull that off. Right. And it sounds like all three of us had a bit of a reaction to the idea of that character dying too, like. None of us really wanted her to die, which is, you know, especially considering it's us. That's kind of a neat thing that they pulled off there. Well, well, what I was thinking, I was like, this is such a lighthearted movie. And then you go, but there was a severed hand and they have been showing <laughs> fucking Jack the River often bitches. So <laughs> I don't know. It is like two movies going on simultaneously. It's this Jack the Ripper movie and then the fish out of water time travel romantic comedy that are happening simultaneously. And they don't really come every now and again, they kind of like the stories crisscross, <laughs> but through much of the movie, it's just two separate things happening. Both being done. Well, I have to say. Yeah. I've been wanting to watch this movie for a while and I found this was a good excuse to watch it. it I was, don't, it I don't remember. A, go ahead. I was going to say it was interesting watching it because I have in fact seen the fucking TV series that came out in 2017. That was kind of shitty. Yeah. And that was my frame of reference for this movie going into it. Yeah. Mine too. Okay. 
I avoided that TV show because I got enough warnings about it before I actually watched an episode. So <laughs> I'm a sucker for time travel. I can't help it. Yeah. Uh, although I would, as I was watching this movie, I realized I can't remember. Doug, did you put these on the list or did I put them on the list? I put them on the list. All right. Well, there's a better movie to team up with this. Okay. It, uh, <laughs> it, it would be a, the second best movie to team up with it if you had put these on the list, but because no, no, I no. did it. <laughs> no, no, no. I would have teamed these up too. But watching it, as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, fuck. This would have been better to team up. There's a Sherlock Holmes movie called A Study in Terror, where Sherlock Holmes faces off against Jack the Ripper. 1965. Oh, my God. That probably would have been a better. <laughs> A better uh, double yeah. feature, but well, especially because H.G. Wells cleverly uses the name Sherlock Holmes exactly. as his alias in this movie, which I thought was hilarious because he just he had no idea people were going to know who Sherlock Holmes was. <laughs> which I mean, I guess like you just pick a name from fiction. It's basically the same joke from uh, Back to the Future Three, where Marty McFly uses Clint Eastwood's name. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I really liked him. I wasn't sure if I was going to enjoy David Warner's Jack the Ripper, but he ended up being all right. Yeah. Like, it's just not who I'd picture in my head for Jack the Ripper, but worked out. I, I liked the portrayal of the character. I liked that by the time we caught up to him in 1979, that he had just adapted. He was wearing the modern clothes, living in the modern hotel, understood how to use the TV, was out there killing like he was on his game and i liked that idea that whole the whole way he was just able to adjust to modern society better than hg wells was made sense i don't know why i guess because we assume the world got worse so the villain can blend in it better so i feel like i like in my head hg wells is like super old-timey writer yeah. And apparently, yeah, he was alive till like 1946. According to this movie, he was. I didn't double check that. <laughs> like, yeah. That's fun. He was. And when this movie came out, four of his, all four of his children were still alive. So oh, they got to go see a, fun for them. A, a fictional movie about their dad facing off against Jack the Ripper. That's awesome. Dude, does the timing work out then that Jack the Ripper and H.G. Wells would have been in London at the same time? Let um, me check that. Yes, I, I guess so. I mean, I just assumed it did based on this movie. This movie does not take itself serious enough for me to go do no. outside research. I'm like, no. no. This, I mean, this movie was delightful, but it didn't wasn't didn't have that seriousness where I'm like, I bet you they're being historically accurate. That's why they that time machine is probably really what H.G. Wells built. He's probably not really a good writer. <laughs> uh, it was not historically accurate when uh, so Mary Steenburgen, her character. Has the mm-hmm. same same name of his real real life second wife, and yeah. so the idea of them romantic is this big romantic idea that she goes back in time with him. Apparently, in real life, H.G. Wells was a huge dick and used to cheat on his wife like all the time. Well. It was on record of saying that men should be able to cheat with whoever they want, but wives should you know be chased to keep up the appearance at home. Listen, it was a it was a different time. It's a different era, and I like the version of H.G. Wells in this movie better. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I like the little, like, awkward, mousy, nerdy guy that was like, this is that's the guy I want him to be H.G. Wells, okay? So we're going to stick with that version. Oh, trust me, it ruined, it ruined it for me because when I read that, I was like, oh, man, 
I like H.G. Wells. I just learned he's an asshole. That's why you don't learn things. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, I don't know. Anything else? Uh, I mean, I, th- I think this movie was just delightful to watch. It was just... It's not what we normally cover around here when we start talking mm-hmm. about movies with murder and mayhem in them. But it was just like one of those ones where I'm just like, the whole time I'm just like, I'm... I'm having fun watching this. I just, I like watching all of these people. I like the performances. I like the, again, like the cheesy fish out of water stuff that you're going to see in every slightly comedic time travel movie. You know, like H.G. Wells could have been one of the characters that Bill and Ted brought back. That's how this movie plays <laughs> out. And, they do show a lot of fun stuff like him encountering escalators for the first time. Yeah. Like all that stuff was so fun, man. I'm just like, and a lot of it is the performance from Malcolm McDowell, like just Malcolm McDowell and Malcolm McDowell's mustache. Cause that mustache was important to the character. I felt, <laughs> but it was just, yeah, it was like, it was just, there was something about the atmosphere and the way they pulled off all the standard stuff that, I mean, it's not like the movie wasn't predictable. It's not like we didn't know exactly how things were going to play out from the beginning. Even though it tricked us at one point, it ended up going back and doing exactly what we expected. Like I say, they they walk you through how they're going to kill the, the bad guy at the beginning. But it's, you know, it's kind of fun. The idea that the reason nobody ever caught Jack the, the Ripper is because of time travel. And he got, he got zapped into oblivion after traveling to the future. I like that idea. That's a fun idea. Sure, so, uh, the fact that he kills her best friend like twice and nobody seems to care a whole lot. Yeah. It's like he kills Maybe her. Well, let's go back in time. We can catch him. Oh, he killed her again. Yeah, but I'm not dead. So at least there's that. Well, it it, it is. The reactions to the deaths are very like, um, I don't want to say like comedy movie reactions almost like we're like, Everyone is a little upset, but not enough that it's going to affect the way they behave for the rest of the movie. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not one of these movies where we're going to stop and reflect on the meaning of life after your best friend is killed or something. The most unrealistic thing in this entire movie is when he finally tells the cops that he'll confess to everything if they just go check on his girlfriend because he thinks this guy's going to murder her. And they show up and there actually is a murder victim and they come back and apologize to him and let him go. <laughs> Yeah. Like, no, this guy said he did it. Fuck him. Yeah, they would have been like, case closed. Yep. Fuck you, you piece of shit. It's just been on TV being like, people don't confess to things they didn't do. And there'd be one reporter going, but don't people confess to things they didn't do all the time? Shut up. Get him out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, ta- he's telling the truth. <laughs> out. All right, well. That went down a darker path than this movie ever did. <laughs> yeah, it was it was delightful. I'd I'd recommend this one to pretty much anyone that can handle the uh, the mild little bit of violence that's in it. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Pretty mild. I don't think you're gonna have trouble with it, no matter who you show it to. And I think it's because it's Jack the Ripper and H.G. Wells and stuff. It's gonna appeal to us nerdy types. We're going to enjoy the time travel elements and all that, but you could like, it'd be a good date movie where if you could, if you're like with a normie, you could watch it and they would get into the like romantic comedy elements of the film that are, I assume done well. And I assume the same as they liking romantic comedies. Cause I don't, don't watch those. Uh, I did like, 
I did like that he was having like a dinner party with a bunch of guys at the beginning and he told them like I've figured out time travel and they just roast him for like the rest of the time they were there. But when the cops show up, Jack the Ripper's like, I am the fuck out of here. <laughs> Jumps in that time machine and takes off. Like, what would he have done if it wouldn't have worked? He just would have sat there and been like, oh, motherfucker. I like the honest portrayal of male relationships where it's like I invented the biggest invention of all time. And all your buddies are like, what a fucking dick. And they all just make fun of him instead of, you instead fucking, of being impressed. You fucking like, douche. Like, like, I always think about that. Like whenever you see like, say, athletes that win like whatever the, the Stanley Cup or the World Series or something, they go home to their buddies. None of those buddies are impressed. They all just no. make fun of you. I guarantee it. That's just how it is. Still call you whatever name they used to make fun of you as in high school. Yeah. That's that's what we do as men. It's important <laughs> to maintain that. And apparently it's been going on since 1893, according to this movie. <laughs> uh, the other big thing we should mention, big screen debut of baby Corey Feldman. Oh, my God. I fucking lost my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I got so excited. Yeah, I lost it. I fucking lost it whenever I saw him. I was like, oh, they did it. It's Corey Feldman. <laughs> I was hoping he was going to be in the whole film. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah. H.G. Wells, a baby Corey Feldman running around after Jack the Ripper. This is going to be great. And then he's never shown again. I was like, God damn it. He's just a little, little cameo. but And somehow he's he's a better actor than he is nowadays. And he well, was only like three at the time. I know, just, but something has happened also, to him, and I don't know. Drugs, alcohol. Uh, yeah, he... Douchebaggery. He, he fucked yeah. up, man. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know how you become a worse actor the older you get. I mean, I'm assuming it's it's partially just... because of getting molested repeatedly as in his early career. Yeah, but that's well, not... but Listen, besides you know, stop that. making everything so fucking dark, Noah. <laughs> but he was <laughs> he was still a good actor post molestation. Right. And then somehow it just it just degraded over time. Lost it. Yeah, you can only blame so much on that. Sniff the rest I of mean, it up you his guys nose. have forced you guys have forced me to point out that it's the trauma, the molestation that made him into a good actor, and it's probably going to therapy and shit about it that ruined it all. Oh, and that's, that's why he's point. not can't act anymore. So yeah, he's can't a draw better adjusted person, but he's not as good an actor. Or my my more uh, default answer, which is that he's just such a douchebag that he thinks he's better <laughs> than everybody else, and that's why he can't act. There is that. I was I was getting ready to say I pretty much I lost uh, Corey Feldman the second he did that weird robot dance with his weird band <laughs> on, on national television. I think I really upset when people made fun of him for it. Oh my god, it was so fucking it's not, weird. It's not that he got upset when people made fun of him. That's the problem. It's that he was surprised. That's where I'm like, how can you be surprised <laughs> that you're getting made fun of for this? <laughs> How detached from reality are you? Uh, You're dressed like Michael Jackson, uh, performing badly, doing a robot dance with your band that's nothing but Hugh Hefner-esque wives. Oh, yeah. That's what he wanted like to be. angels. He wanted to be Hugh Hefner so bad. Well, he wanted yeah, to be he everybody. Want- he wanted to be like a Hugh Hefner, Hugh Hefner, Michael Jackson fucking crossbreed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like... So he was on uh, that TV show that they did for a while called Wife Swap, where they send a wife to you know they change wives in the house. 
It's a reality show Corey for some Feldman reason. Was on that. They did a celebrity version. Oh and his I didn't know about this. Girlfriend slash wife changed places with Tommy Davidson's wife. But the pre sort of the pre, you know, before they get to that point was him talking about his band and all the stuff. And, you know, he makes all these women sign contracts when they come to live in his house. They have to stay on strict diets and all this other bullshit. And, you know, he was wearing pajamas the whole time. I'm like, God, just don't be Hugh Hefner. Come on, man. (laughs) He was trying real hard. We got we got so deep into this Corey hole. (sighs) There's a joke (laughs) in there and I'm going to leave it. Not doing respect. Nobody make the joke. We all know what the joke is. We don't need to do it. All right. We all loved this movie. You should all go watch it. It's fun. yes, yes. It's just a just a delightful little romp. Now the real test is Noah. Why don't you tell us about Edge of Sanity? All right. So Edge of Sanity is uh, <laughs> uh, Norman Bates uh, <laughs> as Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde hybridized with Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. and it's I it, it, that's about it. It's, it's real interesting. So it's basically his slow descent into madness and murder which kind of is a weird like much much like the Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde book it's it's about hedonism and self-indulgence and in this one it kind of takes the form of uh, drug abuse and sexual sadism and it's dope this movie's fucking dope well big fan huh oh yeah I had a real good time watching this well that's because like Anthony Perkins is um, harnessing his inner Nick Cage for that performance so I knew you'd love it because he is just Maybe the most over-the-top performance I've seen in a movie that is otherwise serious. I was going to say... I agree agree it works perfect, just so we're clear. I was going to say, even... I don't know, if you watch it and you don't like necessarily the movie, you should watch it to at least appreciate the crazy over-the-top performance that Anthony Perkins gives. Because it's fantastic. Yeah. What's super weird about the performance is that it is big and over the top, but he's also challenged with at the beginning, he's playing this like Dr. Jekyll, who's like this scientist and he's got like a cane and a limp and everything. And then after he takes the drugs, he turns into Mr. Hyde and he has to, he plays a very different character. Like Jekyll and Hyde are two very different people in this movie. It's not a small change, but he's challenged with then bringing those two characters together as the movie progresses and sort of they become one by the end. And he does a fantastic job of it, despite the fact that he's at this like Nick Cage level of energy the entire time. It's insane. Like how good it is. I okay. I also really like the end. <laughs> just, just because it's kind of fucked up. It's kind of fucked up that they're just like, and it comes to a crescendo of madness and he gets away with it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it was surprisingly like well done the way he got away with it. Like having them bring in Jekyll to like, um, 
look at the bodies and stuff and him being able to throw the cops off his trail and stuff like that. Yeah, like, he's, he's got like a disability, like he uses a cane. He's got a really big limp yeah. stuff. And yeah, he's the one they're called. Like you said, he's the one that they're, they're calling in to like help them. So of course yeah. nobody's thinking it's him. I think at yeah. some point they and, even uh, comment and, and like, you, like we don't need to worry about you. You got this huge deformity, so we don't need to worry about it. Yeah. But the way he too, like because the characters are at this point, like Jekyll and Hyde are becoming more and more the same person. He really does. Jekyll lies to protect Hyde, which is not something that would have happened at the beginning of the movie. And it's kind of a neat moment where you're like, Oh, he's really slipped over the edge now where the Hyde character is taking over. And at the end of this, like, like Noah says crescendo of madness. We know, I I think in that moment that, Hyde is going to win this. Like Jekyll is not the one walking away at the end. I was still on the assumption watching the movie that it would end with him being killed or something. I didn't assume he'd get away with it and just get to go on being Jack the Ripper, which I should have considering Jack the Ripper was never caught. I should have known that, but they, uh, they, they, I just, you know, I assumed it was an eighties movie, not a seventies movie. It wouldn't just end with the bad guy just maniacally laughing into the camera, knowing he defeated everyone. Yeah, I would say uh, so. There, obviously, this this movie's pretty violent in in spots, but the violence isn't really the thing that's gonna put most people off. I think the thing that's gonna put most people off is some of the uh, sexual content. Yeah, is the, the psychosexual? I would I would call it transgressive to say the least like <laughs> okay listen I, I i will provide the facts that i think you're trying to not say which are that this movie opens with um a prostitute in a barn having sex with someone who seems to be getting off on the fact that there's a child watching and then when that child falls through the ceiling of the barn his pants are stripped down and he's beaten by the man who may or may not be his father i'm not sure and that prostitute definitely gets off on watching the child get his bare ass beat. And well, it's very and, upsetting. Well, and, and people judging, are not going to enjoy that. And judging by the look on the child's face, he's also super into it. <laughs> yeah. And when we realize that when the Hyde character comes out, that he is very much into all of these things. And because, of course, like for if people didn't, if I didn't say that, that was Jekyll as a child. <laughs> so when that, when, Hyde comes out and he's into all this stuff and enjoying watching others and being watched and whatever and adding the violence into the sexuality. It's like, well, okay, I see what you're doing there where the, like the drug is, you know, almost tearing away the inhibitions and getting him down to these base urges that relate to this childhood trauma or whatever. And I'm like, I see it, but it's still really disturbing. And then for whatever reason, they're like, and hey, we're going to shoot these fucked up sex scenes on like a Dutch angle, just to mess with your mind a little bit. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, just every, just everything that involves a woman in this movie just spirals out of control. Like his, his first encounter with a prostitute, we've got Anthony Perkins, just eye level looking into a chick's butthole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like that's the thing that happens. Is that a sentence you ever thought you would say? Jesus round round two. We've got hide 
uh, forcing a woman to masturbate with his cane in front of a random neighbor who's looking <laughs> through the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he essentially ambushes a prostitute and one of the recruiter pimps and forces them to smoke opium and <laughs> have sex in front of them. That's correct. Yes, that happens. Yeah, we should mention he gets he finds his way to this weird club, sex club that he I've, keeps coming back to. I feel like it's almost surprising that this movie isn't another uh, entry in the Warhol horror movie things. You know what I mean? Like Flesh for Frankenstein and Blood for Dracula. I'm surprised this isn't like Pussy for Mr. Hyde or something. (laughs) (laughs) I can see the connections. I see what you're saying there. I haven't seen Warhol's Dracula, so I can't comment on that one. Um, but yeah, it's it is that type of movie. It's like a weird artsy movie that has just a ridiculous amount of like unnerving, like transgressive is a good word for it, sex and violence, and some of that is happening at the same time. Much of it is happening at the same time. Very strange. Really weird that it came out in 1989 too. Like, if this movie came out in 74 or something, I'd be yeah, this, less surprised. Yeah, I was going to say, this is late in the game for the shenanigans they were pulling. Like, this is... Uh, it sounds like we're all pretty positive on this movie, though. Does that say something negative about us? <laughs> no, because we were, we were positive on the other one, too. And that one's yeah. a wholesome, just a wholesome romp through time. I mean, very it's also it's also been a while since I feel like the last few exploitation movies we've watched have done one of two things. They either have been like not not leaning into that that skeezy feel enough, or is in the case of Flesh and Blood, they just go so far beyond it. You're like, what the fuck just <laughs> no. <laughs> And this one is uh, like, okay, yeah, I get it. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, keeping in mind at least all of the, like, sexual violence that takes place, it's the villain doing it. And maybe that's why I'm okay with it here, where I wasn't in Flesh and Blood, where I'm like, I wasn't sure, like, if Rutger Hauer was supposed to be the bad guy or not. Here, like, I mean, it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. When Mr. Hyde does something, I can at least feel confident knowing that, like, the film isn't trying to tell us this is okay. (laughs) Right. And while and while he murders several people and guts them with a scalpel, he never has uh, two people spit on his hand. (laughs) (laughs) We never we never crossed that spit line. The spit line's too much. It's too much. (laughs) It's it's you imagine, though, like. Because if Beerhoven had gotten his hands on this script in a post Robocop world where he was allowed to do whatever he wanted for a little while. <laughs> oh man. Jack Jack the Ripper would have been fucking exploding people. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um Yeah, I don't know. I feel like like I said, the Anthony Perkins of it all is the sole reason to watch this movie, just because he's so good. He's, yeah, oh, it's oh yeah, he he delivers so fucking hard, like it's, it's so hard and it's deep in the paint. He does not fuck around. It, talk about commitment to a role. Like he's <laughs> he's Anthony Perkins. He didn't have to be doing this, you know. 
Well, I think he did. I, I, I don't think he had a whole lot of money by, by this point, but it doesn't I'm mean sure he doesn't go. Been. He doesn't go 100 percent in anything he does, though. And again, Nick Cage apparently stealing his modern style from Anthony Perkins. <laughs> well, and for all we know, this is what he's always wanted. I know that, like in some interviews and stuff, he's talked about how he was kind of disappointed with the Psycho franchise and where they ended up going with Norman. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but he sure seems comfortable in this movie. So maybe what he was disappointed with <laughs> with Norman was they didn't let him go full tilt Nick Cage crazy in every fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with Norman. He was mildly sympathetic at times and you know. Right. <laughs> it's like that guy never even forced anyone to masturbate against their will in all four <laughs> of the official Psycho movies. <laughs> like... Yeah. I, I mean, scaring... Is it, this is this is terrible, and it's not funny in a ha-ha way. It's funny in a, oh, my God, that's so fucked up way. Like, the one chick, he basically scares her into saying that she loves him, and then he makes her say it about 20 times, and then he's like, liar, and kills her. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Fu- like, it's like, Jesus, fuck. <laughs> well, Every every time he visits a prostitute in this movie, and he usually ends up murdering them, so people will focus on that being the bad part. But the way he treats them leading up to it, it's always like they're just trying so hard to just be professional and do their job. And he keeps acting weirder and fucking weirder, and they just keep trying to be like, whatever you want, mister. And then he just won't let them be nice to him, you know? Like that that one girl when he's looking up her butthole she's like okay i'll play along with it if that's your weird kink whatever like you know what i mean like she's she goes along with it and then he still proceeds to that's the same one right where he's like now tell me you love me or whatever and i'm like and she's like all right but this is getting kind of fucked up like you're you know i was gonna say that that image also burned into my brain. So so now I've got <laughs> Rutger Hauer from Flesh and Blood, and now I've got Anthony Perkins just staring just directly into a knees. girl's butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Which, just to let everybody know, we don't see the actual butthole part. But it's pretty. It's pretty close. <laughs> it's closer than you're thinking. Because he's not uh, as close as Noah's hoping. Yeah, he's yeah. he's stretching some butt cheeks. <laughs> I mean, if you go frame by frame, there might be visibility. I don't, I'm not going to do that. No, not going to go frame <laughs> by frame. I watch this movie on YouTube. I don't even know if you have that ability. So, uh, on YouTube, no. But I own a nice crisp Blu-ray from Scream Factory. Uh, there you go. They put out like a double, a double Anthony Perkins disc. Yeah. It's got so it's got this, and then it's got the Destroyer, which she is also in, and plays a movie director of a horror film. Okay. Maybe we'll add that to the list too, because now I want some more Anthony Perkins. <laughs> By the way, did I ever tell you guys about how I saw this movie for the first time? No, because she didn't understand what it was. So, like Christmas morning, we, we sitting on, around on, the tree. Hold on, with hold, on hold on. We, we missed the entire first part of what you said. The great part is, did I ever tell you guys? And I'm like, no. And then it's silence for like five seconds. Oh, and then she right. just burst into the middle of that story. We're like, what? Oh, <laughs> so start over yeah, again, please. Yeah, yeah, no, my. It just, just that, like, 
my sister gave me to the, gave this movie to me for Christmas, and having no idea what it was, she like <laughs> she didn't Jesus. have much money. She knows I like horror movies. She went to the bin at Walmart and found one that she didn't think I would own, and I just opened, and I didn't know what it was. So Christmas morning, opening this with like children playing around me and everything, not knowing that I was holding a movie where. Somebody was, you know, going to look up somebody else's bottle. <laughs> oh, my God. I was hoping that story I ended with you know. popping it into the, like, DVD <laughs> player Christmas morning. <laughs> and everyone in the house going, what the hell? <laughs> that opening scene with the bare-ass kids right. getting beat. Why is that man staring into that woman's butthole? <laughs> <laughs> Doug, no. I wish I had done that. Now. It wouldn't have been my fault. I'm not the one that bought it. I mean, I put it on the list so we could watch it again, but <laughs> yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed that I have, I had not found this sooner. Cause this is right up my alley of just fucked weird stuff. I, I'm surprised this movie doesn't have a better reputation considering, you know, it's got Anthony Perkins in it and considering the performance and considering all the things we've said about it. Like you would think it would have like an underground cult following, but I, I, you don't hear much about it. And every time I've told someone about it and I always say the same thing, which is regardless of what you think of the movie, you've got to see that performance and people, it, it doesn't generate excitement. And I don't know why, because now that you guys like you've seen it, like it should, also, from a, a horny teenager perspective, there's a lot of boobs. Lots tons of boobs yeah. In the, yeah, tons of boobs. I mean, a lot of them end up covered in blood, but so maybe that'd be disturbing. Well, you considering gotta, that, you considering gotta, that's how Jekyll got started. I was getting ready to say, it's like maybe you, you don't want to go that route. You got to make sure you time things out right if you're trying to be weird about it. <laughs> All right. It's very upsetting. I wish that hadn't been said. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, what did everybody watch? Uh, I watched a thing. Watched the Adam Project. Oh yeah, and it was all right. Yeah, I mean, it's about where I was with it. Yeah, it it is what it is. It's a made-for-Netflix. <laughs> Sci-fi time travel movie starring Ryan Reynolds and a kid pretending to be Ryan Reynolds. Starring Ryan Reynolds and a kid, and they're both trying to be Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I liked it. Uh I liked some of the sneakier references they put in. Mm. There's a pretty dope Masters of the Universe reference. Which one was that? Because I don't I I didn't catch so, it. So when they're being chased by the other ship through the woods and the guys come out on the hover discs with the guns. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. That's straight. That's straight out of masters of the universe. Yeah. I remember it now. I didn't think of it at the time though. Which I suppose is kind of a time travel movie. (laughs) As much as Beastmaster 2 is. You just reminded me of Beastmaster 2, and now I hate you. 
I don't know. I I liked most of the jokes. It was I found the whole them exploding into the colorful mist was a weird way to get around the fact that they murder a, a ton of people in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> they they teenage mutant ninja turtles that they're basically like these are people and they're like no they're in robot suits. And it's like yeah but they're people. No, but they just they explode into dust when they die. Because well, of time travel shenanigans. <laughs> Look at all the pretty pixels. That's all you need to know. Yeah, but the only issue I had was some of the the CGI on Catherine Keener was a little iffy at times. Well, that was, the, that was a, the fact that her younger self, like, was literally half as wide as her in every conceivable way, which is weird. I get trying to make her skinnier, but, like, your shoulders don't get narrower. Like... <laughs> You don't, you don't turn into a stick person. Yeah, it was think, weird. Also, there's that moment in the movie where that little kid, uh, I'm pretty sure, kills a guy by jamming a metal glove into his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that part. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, mm, uh, that's a little less family friendly than I thought this movie was willing to go to. Uh, so yeah, it was fun, though. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was great for what it was. I don't I don't have. Yeah, a lot of it's Netflix. Me. It's basically free. Yeah. Although I I will say that. Whenever we were watching it, I was talking to Shar and I was like, well, they see they the worst thing they fucked up is when they show the little kid and you see the picture of his dad and his dad is <laughs> fucking Bark Ruffalo. You're like, OK, well, now I know they're going back to see the dad like that's that's exactly <laughs> what's happening in this movie, because it's Bark Ruffalo. <laughs> like <laughs> He didn't cast some no name actor that we might not. I don't know. They, uh, <laughs> on that show, Murderville, Jennifer Aniston is, uh, Will Arnett's partner and she's never actually on the show. Just the picture of her. Oh, that's so fucking funny. Yeah. His dead partner. <laughs> <laughs> I kept waiting. Like, well, it's gonna be a flashback or something. Oh, nothing. Just, just, oh, they just, they got, they asked her if she could, they could use, she could dress up like a cop and use that picture. Huh? All right. I feel like they photoshopped that picture. Think so? I'm just guessing. Doesn't seem like that she would get into that costume for no good reason. Possibly. <laughs> I made it. friends money. I don't get dressed up for nothing. That's all I watched. What'd you watch, Dan? Uh, I went a different way with my watching this week than you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, first thing I watched, this was the first time watched for me, but you guys may have seen it. Uh, 1986 movie called Crawl Space. No. You guys know this one? No. Sounds familiar. D- okay, so it's got the, Klaus Kinski in it. It sure does. Yeah, and this movie should just be called the Klaus Klinski Comedy Hour because it is just an hour and a half of Klaus Klinski doing Klaus Klinski shit. It is he plays like a Nazi doctor who runs an apartment building where he can go in the walls and go in and peek around and torture the tenants and there's like the basically the plot of the movie is he's doing this while um 
one of the brothers of one of his previous victims shows up looking for him. But you're not worried about how that plot's going to play out because we see Klinsky's murder chair early on. So it's like Chekhov's murder chair. We know eventually he's just going to murder a guy with it. But if you want to watch Klaus Klinsky ripping the head off of a live rat, I mean, uh, unless you have access to his home videos, you're just going to have to watch this movie, right? It is just... It is just him like fucking with people from inside like vents for all movie. He kills a rat. He keeps um, one of his victims in a cage the whole time with her tongue cut out. So he has someone to talk to, but he doesn't want her to talk back. So there's just a chick in a cage with no tongue through this entire movie. She's just there at the start of the movie. We don't know how she got there exactly. And it's just creepy close Klinsky just only renting apartments to attractive young women and nobody's picking up on it somehow. The only unrealistic part of this is that they all think he's like this nice landlord and they're surprised to find out that he's a murderer, but I don't know how anyone could be surprised by it because it's close Klinsky. Um, just, yeah, I mean, it obviously no one would love this movie, Brian. I think you need to see it too, because it is, <laughs> it is something yeah. else. I, it is just, I've seen it, yeah. but I don't think I've ever seen it in its full glory. I think I've only seen it like played on Comet and shit before. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, again, it, it's not really even. There's not really even a lot of story or plot. It's just Klinsky just he's an event and he makes this annoying noise to get people to walk over to the vent. And then he's got like a little thing so he can like try to stab them through the vent and like the fun of the movie is like a couple of times people are like looking right at the vent but then something distracts him so he doesn't get to stab them in the eye like it's i don't know if you want to call that tension or not but i just i was just chuckling the whole time i was having a great time watching it i'll tell you what imagining there's a guy climbing around in your vents is kind of freaky but imagining yeah. Klaus Kinski in your vents is so much scarier. It, it's insane. <laughs> like it is absolutely I insane. I don't want Klaus Kinski at my vents. No, someone. I wouldn't want him in my house at all. Should someone do a deep fake of uh, Klaus Kinski over that episode of X Files? I don't know that episode of X Files. No, it's one of the best ones. There's a guy that can squeeze through vents and stuff, and he. Goes in and murders people. Even better, somebody should uh, take the movie Crawl Space and edit together with Die Hard so that it's Klaus Kinski <laughs> climbing around in the tower. I mean, that's not a bad idea. His murder chair, by the way, designed so that if you accidentally push the button while you're sitting in the chair, you get stabbed right through the butthole. So, <laughs> going back to our theme for the episode of buttholes, apparently. So many buttholes. He definitely just uses it, and the guy's sitting in the chair, and as an audience, you're just sitting there like, hit that button. You know that button's right there. It's right on the armrest. You're going to hit it. Just hit it. Why are we even having this conversation? Just hit it. <laughs> it is like, it is like, the movie is like, I think it's like less than, just under an hour and a half, and just... It's just Klinsky being Klinsky the whole time. Like, like this weird, like, Nazi H.H. Holmes character. <laughs> this fucking murder apartment building. So, yeah, I mean, we should just put that on the list and do a commentary track for it or something. <laughs> okay. It's, it's just one of those movies that feels like it belongs on this podcast. Probably does. Yeah. We haven't been too great at keeping up the drive-in side of it yeah. well this week we did i mean those were different nights at the drive-in but they were 
They're able to drive in appropriate movies. Uh, and then the only other thing I watched is a movie called uh, I Madman. Are you guys still there? Yeah. No, okay. I wasn't sure if I cut out again. Um, yeah, I watched this movie called I Madman, which is just uh, it's actually like a super fun little movie. It's this chick is like reading a book and she starts to see the killer from the book in real life. And so he is um, you know, killing people around her and she is trying to convince the cops that the, the book has come into life and they, for some reason, don't believe her, believe it or not. And yeah, it's just a, a fun little, it's like a, an interesting way to just basically do an 80s slasher, but kind of mixing it with that element of like the slasher is the character from the book she's reading come to life and killing people in the ways from the book. And there's an element of it where he has like no face at the beginning. So when he kills people, he takes their face parts and like, attaches them onto himself. So he gets more and more of a face as the movie goes on, which I mean, that's just delightful. I don't know how you don't enjoy that. So. <laughs> um, I used to see this trailer all the time when I was a kid on stuff that I would rent. Okay. And then I would, I just never watched it till like about a year ago. Okay. And what did you think? I remember being really bored and I don't know why. It doesn't seem like I should really? be. I think I got bored and got on my phone, so then I didn't pay attention to most of it. Like, I can understand if you were to say, like, oh, it's like the acting wasn't good or something, but boredom doesn't seem like I can maybe in the first half of the movie where she's like trying to track down a copy of this book and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, the opening opening scene of this movie is like literally they're reenacting one of the scenes from the horror novel like she's reading. And so you're seeing this like evil elf thing run around. And then it cuts to like her sitting there holding a book like, like, wow, that was scary. Maybe I should read something else by this author. And that's how the plot kicks off. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's the girl. I don't remember her na- her real name, but it's the girl from Near Dark. Yeah, Jenny Wright. Jenny Wright. That's who it is. She's always fabulous. And she's. Yeah, I, I like her as an actress, too. I find her just pleasant on screen. Um, this is like a couple of years after near dark, I think, cause she's still kind of growing her hair back. Cause it was really short in that movie, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's, you know, it's an eighties slasher, but with a fun, like supernatural twist to it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, again, you're going to get the classic scenes of like her trying to convince the cops. Like it's the killer from this book. That's how I know where he's going to be. And believe it or not, they're like, we don't believe you because that seems ridiculous. <laughs> You know, exactly what you're thinking is going to happen is what happens, but it plays out. And I, I, I'm surprised to hear you were bored by it. I enjoyed it. So, Yeah, I mean, that's my memory of watching it. Maybe I'm wrong and I just didn't like it. I don't know. But Technically, it's my memory of watching it, too. So, uh, Sure. It's from a couple of days ago. But Sure. Maybe I need to rewatch it at some point. But Yeah. I, I mean, I would recommend rewatching it. I mean, not as much as I would recommend watching Crawl Space, but um, I think it was, I think it's worthwhile if you're you know if you're into '80s slashers and weird horror stuff. But uh, that is all I watched this week. Well, I watched a bunch of stuff, but unfortunately, it's a bunch of stuff we don't really need to go over. All right. Um, I don't know. Amanda was in a weird mood, so she's like, let's watch some movies. And, you know, I'm not going to be like, no. But she had a couple days off from work, and she's just like, 
all right, let's watch the movies. Let's do something. I'm like, all right. So she's never seen the Indiana Jones movies. So I made her sit down and watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. Trust me, I tried this like 10 years ago and she fell asleep during Raiders, which almost made it so we didn't get married. But uh, she went to like a Catholic high school. So I'm like, oh, all these like religious artifacts should be like, should find that interesting because she did find like religious history interesting and stuff. Um, So we watched Raiders. She really liked it. And we immediately followed that up with uh, Temple of Doom, which I hadn't watched in a long time. And I... I think I enjoyed it way more than I remembered enjoying it. Oh, really? Kind of gets shit on as like the bad Indiana Jones movies. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, not only is it not bad, I I think it might be my favorite Indiana Jones movie. No, I'm I'm like so hesitant to sit and rewatch those because I feel like there's no way they can live up to my like childhood memories. And they're just ones that I haven't watched a lot as an adult. I'm like, I'm scared to like ruin my childhood memories. <laughs> no, they, they hold up pretty good. They just, do. Raiders is still all really three good. of them. Correct. Uh, Raiders still holds up uh, really well. Just like a fun, like adventure movie. Temple of doom is yeah. a lot darker, which I think is pretty fantastic. And all of the action Probably scenes why people complain about it. Yeah, I think that is what it is. But uh, all the action scenes, especially the minecart stuff, is still amazing. Yeah. Um. So then the next day, she's like, "All right, well, let's watch something." I'm like, "Well, we're obviously watching Last Crusade, so yeah, might as well just turn that on." Not. Um, and that one's okay. Like, I don't think it held up as much as I remember it. And it may just be that they had a bigger budget. Cause I feel like the film looks different. Like the actual like film stock they used was different. And so it looks a lot more like high budget filmmaking, which yeah. the other two are, aren't, they weren't like cheap or anything, but there's just a weird like grittiness to them that I really enjoy. And I feel like last crusade doesn't really have that. And maybe it's because they're not venturing off to some like mysterious land or whatever that I felt at the time. You know, they're going to like deserts and sliding on a raft down a fucking snow mountain and ending up in a weird like voodoo temple. And then uh, last year's yeah. it's like, yeah, we're just fighting Nazis. We're literally punching, throwing Nazis out of a, out of a blimp. And that's it. I mean, when they get to the, to where the, the Holy Grail is, that's a little different, but yeah. I just feel like there's a slickness to it that I don't enjoy, and I don't know why. It's probably just the era it came out in. It was like right towards the end. Like, what year is that? Like, is that '89? Something like that. Like, it's 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 quite a bit after the first two, I think. I guess I mean, like, there's got to be a way to look stuff like that up. Yeah, '89. It was '89. Yeah. So it's like I think the other ones were. There's no such thing. (laughs) Uh, Temple of Doom is '84, so this is a good five years later. Yeah, and I feel like, but that five years in movie time is quite different, right? We're almost getting into that '90s, like too clean for your own good filmmaking style that we complain about quite a bit. Yeah. So it was probably my least favorite of all of them upon this rewatch, which is weird because I like it when people punch Nazis in the face, and that happens a lot. But yeah, but also, 
I don't think it's surprising to hear that that's the one that doesn't hold up as well. It's the one that has a lot more ego in it. If there's anything polite to say, like, <laughs> to say that, yeah. you know, like you've got Harrison Ford and Sean Connery playing off each other, which I remember really enjoying, but also yeah, were, I can just imagine there's a lot of like, probably a lot of like, they're not, no one's allowed to one up the other kind of thing. That kind of weird Hollywood stuff going on that you can yeah. feel when you watch a movie like that. Yeah. Um, and then, so the bad thing is since there's only three movies, they never made a fourth one. Uh, we didn't have another Indiana okay. Jones movies to watch. So I was like, well, we have to keep a theme going. And she told me she had never seen The Rock before either. She thought she had. Okay. But then, but then when I showed her something, she's like, oh, I don't think I've ever seen this movie. I was like, well, it's got Sean Connery in it. So technically, it counts as a theme if we watch that one. So then we watched The Rock, which is like the second time I watched it in like the past three months. Still awesome. So, not really a not really a question about whether you enjoy it or not at that point. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was a lot of fun. I haven't um, seen the rock in a while. I mean there's a there's a weird magical thing they have to roll under that shoots fire at intervals. Yeah. It's definitely a safe thing you would keep in a in a prison. In a shut down prison. So somebody went and turned that back on. <laughs> Yeah, it makes no sense. I don't. I I actually caught a few minutes of that because I was in a hotel last week and I was just flipping through the TV because I I do that whenever I get access to cable. I'm just like I better flip through all the channels and then not watch any of them. Um, <laughs> and it it was on, and so I watched like five minutes of it, and I was just like, I wonder if this holds up. Like I couldn't decide whether I wanted to watch the whole thing again or not. Like, part of me wants to, and part of me is like, maybe I shouldn't. Sounds like you're positive on it, though. Hold on. Amanda's talking to me. No, I'm good. I swallowed down the wrong pipe. That's why I'm coughing. Thank you. <laughs> she was concerned I didn't have a drink. Um, That's nice, actually. <laughs> I know. Stop being nice. <laughs> kind of feel like you're rubbing it in for those of us who are sitting at home alone right now. <laughs> uh, it's. I think The Rock is still a lot of fun. So I think if you are curious to yeah. rewatch it, you should. But just, you know, it's a, it's a fun 90s Michael Bay movie. I think this is the kind of stuff Michael Bay should have been doing. And then he fucked up Transformers. So, Yeah, Michael Bay just has George Lucas syndrome where he was fine until he got like unlimited, can do whatever you want. And it's like, oh, yep. turns out whatever you want sucks. Yeah, pretty much. So what, what scene was it? There was something... She's like, oh my god, this is such a Michael Bay movie. Like something exploding before it even gets to the point where it was supposed to explode. So I don't remember the scene now, but she pointed out something that's just like, yeah, this is definitely a Michael Bay movie. Look at all this crazy nonsense. That still a lot of fun. I don't know if you remember Tony Todd's in this movie. Helps me no, feel I don't already. remember that. Yeah, it's got a pretty amazing cast. I mean, Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage. Uh, Ed Harris, right? Ed Harris, Tony Todd, Michael Bean's in it. Uh, Jeez, that's pretty good. Uh, John C. McGinley, you're a fan of his. One of one of oh, the really? Bob, yeah, one of the Bobs from Office Space. Um, uh, O'Keen Woodbine. If people know who he is. He was in a lot of '90s movies. So, yeah, worth a watch. I'd say give it a watch if you're remotely curious. 
Tony Todd may have pushed you over the edge, it seems like. Yeah, I don't know. I, I fell out hard with Nick Cage and Mike Bay at one point, and I, I'm certainly <laughs> not back on the Mike Bay um, train. I, 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 I don't know. Come on, this is only his second movie. He hadn't, he hadn't gotten to super crazy yet. Yeah. Uh, it's not Armageddon level. See, Armageddon is the one that I can watch, though. It's that just that so? last level of crazy where I can still enjoy Armageddon. Uh, well, you might be able to do The Rock, then. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. The other uh, side of that is, like, I always have, like, ten movies I want to watch and I end up not watching them, so. Because <laughs> Tubi is like, what about Crawl Space? I'm like, good point, Tubi. That is, that is a good idea, Tubi. Thank you. <laughs> is that a fish mouth and a vent I see? <laughs> I will. I will, Tubi. Big old lips smacking together. Well, Tubi's got a new thing now, too, where it pops up in the recommended category, but it says recommended and this movie expires in X number of days. And you're like, oh, shit, if I don't watch it right now, I might never get to see it. <laughs> if it's not on Tubi, where else will I watch it? <laughs> it feels that feels emotionally manipulative to me. It really does. It I forget what the movie is, but there's one movie, too, that I put on the list. And then Tubi's like, oh, it expires in like 10 days. I'm like, we can't get to it in 10 days. So now I'm going to have to find it some other way when that day comes. Maybe it'll be back on Tubi at that point. Maybe. Or maybe it's like all a lie, like when stores put things on sale, but they don't really reduce the price. Maybe that's what's going on here. (laughs) Tubi doesn't actually take the movie off. They just take it out of your uh, recommends for a little while. Son of a bitch. Oh, don't speak ill of TV. That's not fair. <laughs> um, and then I guess the last thing, I guess just to pad stuff out, is uh, me and Amanda watched the uh, new true crime docuseries on Netflix called The Worst Roommate Ever. And uh, that was mildly fascinating. What What makes this person such a bad roommate? Are they laid on the rent every well, month and shit? There's six episodes. One of, two of them are two-parter, so five stories. And they start off with the best story. And I'm just like, well, how? They're, they're not going to top this one. They don't. <laughs> Those are still decent. But Jesus, the first story is about this lady who used to run a boarding house, essentially. To like uh, some like charitable organization tried to help homeless people with like mental disabilities or whatever mm-hmm. would uh, recommend this place. They'd bring people and they'd be like, do you have a room? And she's like, Oh yeah, I have a room open. I can definitely take him in. And then uh, he just disappeared and people were like, what the fuck? And it's like this super nice, like old lady, like librarian that you would see at a library, you know, like, Oh, she's just a nice old woman. Yeah, she fucking murdering people and keeping their social security checks and burying, oh. them, burying them in her backyard. So when it finally got down to it and she ended up getting uh, busted by the police, they dug up her backyard and found seven bodies. So, yeah, she was a pretty terrible roommate. Yeah, I mean, murdering your roommate is probably about as bad as it gets. And pretty much all of these deal with some sort of roommate murder of some sort. Uh, one of them is an attempted murder. I guess, but um, it's just kind of interesting if you're into that kind of stuff. It's just like, uh, wow, yeah, this is all fucked up. So, 
I can't remember if it was that show or another documentary, but Char was watching it. That was about a dude who was like a serial squatter. He would move mm-hmm. into people's apartments and then refuse to pay for anything and threaten them. And then somehow he was always a step ahead. So if you went to get a restraining order against him, he had already reported you and got a restraining order against you. So you couldn't get one. Uh, that was the two part episode. Yeah. Cause, Cause it was so extensive. It was crazy. Like I sat there watching it and just being like, just kick him the fuck out. And then they talked to all these people are like, I asked somebody, can I just kick him out? And they said, no, that's against the law. And I'm like, how the fuck is that against the law? Jesus Christ. Well, it's funny. <laughs> too, it's funny, too, because things happen a couple times where you're like, you know, I bet that feels real good. But you just fucked up so bad. Like the the chick who decided to be all passive aggressive and took like the doorknob off his door and started having loud parties and stuff to because she thought it would just drive him crazy and he would leave. And it's like, no, but you just gave him a ton of ammo so that whenever the police get involved, he can be like, look at what she did. She took the fucking doorknob off my door, you know, (laughs) crazy bitch. Yeah, he was crazy. I could not believe the amount of stuff that I got away with. It's weird how much people get away with. Yeah. Yeah, because there's one lady who, you know, she let him move in and then he wouldn't leave. And then eventually he was able legally to kick her out of her apartment. But then they talked to the landlord that then had to deal with him after that on his own. And the landlord like this was fucking terrible. So it wasn't even just the roommate that he was dealing with. He ended up like completely like, you know, pissing off the landlord. The landlord had to deal with a bunch of crazy shit. Yeah, and the the craziest part of that whole story is they finally get him out, and she goes and tries to get an apartment again, and they tell her she can't have an apartment because all the drama she was involved with with this other guy. <laughs> so he like got to keep fucking her even after he was gone. Yeah, it was crazy. It, it, it's there's a reason it was the two parter because he fucked over a lot of people, and they all talked about it. Damn. So. Definitely worth a, worth a watch if you're curious. I mean, think I want to watch that one. That feels like one I'd just be angry at the whole time. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Well, so the original movies I wanted to watch, we can't because I was talking about uh, Blood for Dracula and Flesh for Frankenstein earlier, yeah. and I had and I had looked it up and can't find them fucking anywhere for some reason. They're well, like. We're going to find those because they belong on the list. Yeah. Yeah. They're the only place I found that they were available to even watch was, I think, on the AMC app. Which I don't of all okay. the things I have, I don't have that, but you can't even buy them streaming. It's real weird. Uh, so instead, we're going to go down that route and I went off list. So we are going to watch. Uh, <laughs> see, you laughed and now my brain just went blank. We're going to watch. uh God damn it. Why is my brain not working? <laughs> Mad, know. Matt, I don't know. Mad, why are we going off list? Be- because I said so. <laughs> Flesh for Frankenstein's on Shutter, by the way. Uh, Madhouse, uh, which is specifically, let me look up the year because there's a thousand movies named Madhouse. So is it the Vincent Price one? No, not the Vincent Price one. And Blood for Dracula is also on Shutter, by the way. So both those movies are just on Shutter that no one can't track yeah. down. Well, I don't have Shutter, so I couldn't look on Shutter. 
uh, Madhouse from 1981. Okay, and, as soon as, and as soon as my fucking brain kickstarts, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I had to. I literally picked these movies out hours and hours ago, and now my brain's like, no, it's only ten that's o'clock. Why, that's why you put stuff off the list. That's why it's right there. You just look it up. Anyways, while Noah's doing that, apparently, according to Remorg Magazine, did you guys know that today, as we record, is the oh, anniversary yes, of the first release of Chopping Wall? I did not know that was today. Yeah, I, to bring that up. I can't I believe I'm wasting this holiday with you guys. You should be having champagne right now. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Absurd. 1981. <laughs> All that to get to that. Yeah. All right. You're writing these Matt, down somewhere. Right? At House 81. I'm putting them in the next episode thing on the on the list document. Abs- absurd. 1981. And Madhouse was already. You've forgotten again. It was also, 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 also 1981. Said. Yeah. I remember you saying that. It's funny that you don't remember you saying it, though. <laughs> you, you guys, it's past my sundowner time. My brain is a winding down. <laughs> you know this. Jesus Christ. You know that wow. after about 945, those brain cells just start a switching off. But the problem is, like, why do you overcomplicate things for yourself, though? You know this is going to happen. Write down the movies before you. <laughs> well, you know what the or funny thing is? one's off the list, so you can go back and check on it with something, anything. <laughs> I had I looked at him 20 times. I was like, there's no way I'm going to forget those. <laughs> uh, sure wrong. Yeah. But they're both supposed to be uh, fucked up Italian movies that I haven't seen yet. So there's lots of fucked up Italian movies on our list. If that's all you were going for. Not enough. Not enough fucked up Italian movies. For a second, and, uh, I thought that Edge of Sanity was Italian based on that opening scene. <laughs> it had it had that feel, didn't it? All we needed it's, it's was absurd. a all we needed was a short, full grown man pretending to be a child, and it would have been. Honorarily uh, Italian. Uh, absurd also goes under the name Monster Hunter. Correct. Okay. And uh, Anthrophagus, Anthrophagus Two, although it's not. They're both on Tubi. That's one of the reasons why I picked them. Yeah. Good old Tubi. Many days until they expire, so we know when to watch them. <laughs> Tomorrow. That that would be our luck. That would make me sad. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.